0: Everybody, and welcome to That's Life, the show where we are looking forward to the third and final presidential debate, because after the last one, who knows what can happen next. Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and formal columnist at the South Shore Standard, but still maintaining the title of general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 2 p.m. As I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. Coming to you... From the home office in the lower east side. Hey, Avram, did you see my fortune cookies? No. Okay. <laughs> what happened to the fortune cookies?
1: I'm not sure. I don't We're...
0: I don't know. This is bizarre. I don't I I don't know. I don't know what happened to the fortune cookies. All right. Um this feels weird not having that segment, but Yeah,
2: we should order some food in. And... Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'd like to apologize in advance to those of you who are looking forward to the fortune for the week um because i don't have one i don't know what happened to the fortune cookies and um i'm pretty sure i was the last one to clean up so that was bad on my part anyway coming to you from the home of the nachom Siegel studios nachom Siegel network on the beautiful lower east side i'm joined by my handy dandy partner avram hello avram how's it going what's going well it was going fine until i realized we we're missing all the fortune cookies sorry about that yeah um can you do me a favor can you go check if they're in the desk in the top drawer Yes, I can go right in the middle of the show right now. <laughs> thank go you. Check. You keep talking. I am. If you are a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. And if you are a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what Scott Wittenberg does. Visit me on my blog at dearthatslife.com. Friend me on Facebook or send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email at miriam at com or miriam at dearthatslife.com. I will not respond to you during the show, but I will look forward to getting back to you afterwards. I do want to just acknowledge all the emails that came to me in the Facebook comments about the closing of the South Shore Standard. I will say that it took us uh, a little bit by surprise in the fact that I found out from a friend of mine before I actually found out from the paper that we weren't uh, going to press that week. But um, I wish everyone the best. Um, And in terms of my column, I will continue to post on dearthatslife.com. And as for where you could No, no joke. As for where you can find me next, um, in terms of being in print, uh, you'll have to stay tuned. Thank God. Um, I've had numerous opportunities and I baruch Hashem land on my feet. So I'm not really worried about this. And either way, you can continue to listen to me Thursdays at 2 p.m. Anyway, I would say let's go to our favorite segment about the fortune cookie, but I've Avrami still can't find them. So uh, yeah, we're going to skip that segment. Anyway... So let's take, somebody ate them? That's not funny. Let's take, who's your last, Charlie? I'm going to have to talk we're to Charlie. Not we're not pointing fingers. mommy says we're not. Anyway, let's talk about uh, national holidays. Let's get ready for some business. It is Get Smart About Credit Day and International Credit Union Day. Huh. Okay. It is also National Cupcake Day. National Chocolate Cupcake Day, I should say. It is World Rainforest Week. It is Freedom from, from Bullies Week, which means that bullies have to take the week off. Otherwise, 51 other weeks, you know, whatever. No, I'm obviously just kidding, but that to me is, highlights a ridiculous, ridiculous national holiday. Um, it is Freedom of Speech Week, which is something we appreciate as members of the media, and it is Teen Read Week, of which I am a huge, huge fan. Actually, my daughter is reading a book um, that, uh, that I love. It is my favorite book of all time. It is The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton, and one of my favorite adolescent authors, or I should say authors of adolescent literature, is uh, The Giver. And Lois Lowry just came out with her fourth book in terms of The Giver series. It's called Sun. It was reviewed in the front page of the New York Times um, book review last week and was given an excellent review, so I'm looking forward to picking that up. You are listening to That's Life live here from the Siegel Network, our home office on the beautiful Lower East Side, and I'm looking forward to introducing my first guest to The Air. Rabbi Natanel Grala is the head of school for Yeshivat Ha'atid, which just opened this year. It's is, it is, its inaugural, sorry about that, year, located in Teaneck, New Jersey. And there are a lot of eyes focused on Yeshivat Ha'atid. If I was putting pressure on you that you didn't feel before, I really apologize. Yes, your mic is on. Rabbi Grala, thanks for joining me.
1: It's great to be here.
0: <laughs> now that your mic is on, it's really great to be here. So just so that people understand why... Yeshivat Tid is already attracting the attention that it has and attracted attention even before it opens. I think that once the website went live, you know, there were numerous, numerous hits. Explain to listeners who don't know what Yeshivat Ha'atid is about, what makes it different?
1: Uh, so we have a little bit of a different model of education. Our classroom looks a little bit different than your traditional classroom. Uh, whereas in a, little, a traditional classroom, kids sit at desks in rows by us, we have a few different, um, what would sometimes be called centers. We call them learning environments. We have a few different learning environments within the classroom, and the kids will actually rotate throughout the course of the day throughout the different learning environments, and the idea being that we don't want kids to just listen to the teacher for hours. Right. We want them to actually experience the learning to whatever extent they can.
0: So as a girl who went to SAR, there oh, you go. So I am not um, afraid nor nervous about alternate um, you know models of education. Not in a million years, spent a long time in the classroom, so I understand that completely. But literally, give people a visual, because I went mm-hmm. through the pictures online, and they're great pictures, happy, smiling faces. I think that's great. But tell them what a classroom looks like. Are, let's start with the basic SAR question. Are there walls?
1: So we do have walls.
0: Oh, all right. But Check that only, off the list. But we're
1: only renting right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so when you build your own building, we'll who see. knows? Okay, so tell them what the room looks like.
1: So the- it's a lot of uh, similarities to a regular classroom and to a regular school. Obviously, we have art, music, gym. Um, a lot of things that go on in a traditional classroom will go on in our classroom as well. Uh, it's just formally structured a little bit differently. So when you walk into a, a one of our classrooms, you'll see our desks are a little different. We set up, um, up more in groups of, of four kids sitting around. Um, but we also have um, areas for the teachers to meet with kids in small groups, special bean-shaped chairs. Okay. Um, and we also have some computers in every single classroom. Um, and the idea is that the kids will come at some point, they will be in the community space, that's what we call it, where all the kids are sitting together and the teacher will conduct a normal lesson. But at some point in the day, the kids will break off um, into group projects and the, um, some kids will go on the computer um, for assessment. So the data is collected, handed back to the teacher. The teacher now, um, seeing the data live, real-time, sees the skills that uh, all the kids have and the the strengths and weaknesses that they have within those skill sets, the teachers can now differentiate the learning. And I would say that's really what our school is all about, differentiation, allowing the teachers to be empowered Mm -hmm. to really understand the kids better, um, and then to lesson plan and literally make a tailor-made curriculum for every single kid. And so each kid is then um, grouped appropriately based on skill sets, given projects to do. Obviously, Mix and match the groups for various reasons, but the idea is that the kids are rotating between being at the group project area, being with the teacher um, in a small group with the teacher. Again, once the teacher gets the feedback on the data, right? so I'm just going to give an example. Sure. Um, the example I gave at the open house uh, was my math example. A uh, teacher teaches long division in a traditional class, and will go to the board and say, here are the seven steps in long division. Um, then the teacher might send the kids, open up your workbooks, turn to page 43, and do problems 1 through 10. And that's the work that the kids, the supplemental work to reinforce. Now the teacher's got to figure out if the answer is right or wrong, why did the kid get the answer wrong? So in our model, the kid will go onto the computer and will do, they'll learn how to do the seven steps in the division the same way. But then instead of saying, open up the workbook, students will go to the computer. And in 10 to 15 minutes, the kid could be doing, the, the students hmm. will be doing the problem and the computer will pick up on that. This child is struggling with step three in the long division. Okay. Whereas this child is um, struggling with step four in the long division. The teacher could then group three or four kids that are all struggling with step three in the long division, pull them aside into this learning environment, and say, this is how you do step three in the long division. So the teacher is empowered to better understand the kids and work on the exact Nikuda hmm. that these particular kids are struggling with. Uh, two weeks ago, we gave a, an assessment in English language to, to kindergarten students. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are 15 different pre-reading skills that were analyzed. The kids were on the computer for 15 minutes. The whole week. Right. But uh, for those 15 minutes, they were engaged in, a, in an activity. They thought they were playing games. Uh, <laughs> but they were really being assessed. Right. And we broke down the skill sets of these 15 pre-reading skills. And for example, we had four students who did fairly well in 13 of the 15 categories, but they were a little weak in their phonemic awareness and in their phonics. Okay. The teacher then took these four kids and gave them an activity to do to work on their phonemic awareness. The teacher then took... Another four kids who also struggled in a particular area in letter recognition and gave them an activity to do. And so we were differentiating the learning, and everyone was doing activities that really were tailor made to help them um, with their reading skills. Um, without this kind of empowerment, a traditional classroom might go on for a few months and eventually all the kids will read. Right. But we were able to zone in again and be precise on the exact Nakuda that they were struggling with. And so each kid wasn't, there weren't kids bored. Well, I already know that are totally lost because it's way advanced for them. Each kid was at a task that was appropriate for them.
0: That is fascinating, and it leads me to so many different questions. I'm not as – all right, you're ready. Bring it, them on. Game on. Okay. <laughs> so let's start with the first one. How many people are manning a classroom?
1: Great question. So um, we're in Bergenfield, New Jersey. on the Neck bergenfield border. There are certain rules – um, that New Jersey has about how many kids can actually be in a classroom in the preschool, which is our pre-K and our K. Okay. So we have approximately 20 kids in a classroom with a teacher and an assistant teacher in each classroom. Going on from first through eighth grade, um, interesting what's happened with um, other schools across the country who have utilized similar models. Again, everyone tweaks it uh, to their uh, you know, demographics. But when they had smaller classrooms, 16, 18, even 20 kids... Um, often kids were grouped with the same kids over and over again. And it was the teachers that went to the administrators and started asking, can we have more kids in the classroom for a more robust experience so that the kids could actually be grouped and have, a again, a more robust experience. Okay. So once the teachers were asking for more kids, right. um, it was the administrator's pleasure to uh, facilitate that. Right. And they found that a little bit, that larger classroom size actually um, was would, would, would enhance the experience. And sometimes we look at the, we want a nice teacher to student ratio because we want that relationship between the teacher. But For what sure? they found is it's not just the quality, it's not just the teacher to student ratio that's important, but the quality time the teacher spends with the student to teacher ratio that's important. I'll give you a perfect example. There's actually a, um, a high school out in Arizona. It's called Carpe Diem. Uh, they have these, in order to save money, they have these huge, almost looks like, um, you know, it's cubicles with literally over 100 kids in a classroom. Okay. And the kids are doing 80% of their work on a computer. And the kids Who runs are,
0: this? this <laughs> is, who runs the – No, 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 no. I'm not saying they're funny. It's, um, it sounds like a model I've heard of. I think that um, somebody famous, am I right? Somebody famous runs this? No? All right. All right. Uh, I must be confusing with another institution. I'm okay. sorry friends No, No problem. Go on. Yeah. So
1: um, what happens is the kids are doing 80 to 90% of their work on computer, and they'd be pulled out by a teacher And work, uh, after the teacher got all the data from the, right. the computer. Um, and um, they asked the kids what they liked most about being in this kind of environment. You know what they said? The close relationship they developed with their teachers.
0: Wow. Now, that's so counterintuitive.
1: Right. Now, why was that? Because they found that kids preferred being one-on-one. On five, one on four with the teacher for 40 minutes Then than being one on 15 in a right. classroom. If you're sitting in rows and you didn't feel, obviously we don't have 100 kids in the classroom, but we, the way we look at it is we'd like to have about approximately 26 kids in a class, um, 26 kids in a class with one teacher and a rotating assistant teacher. So for example, you'll have two first grade classes, um, you'll have a teacher in each classroom and a, an assistant teacher rotating between. Again, we have numerous learning environments in the classroom. We're not necessarily going to be utilizing every single environment.
0: All, all, the the, time. all the time. We of course can not.
1: So as appropriate, the, as more learning environments are being utilized, the assistant teacher will coordinate between the two classes. So
0: you already have two first grade classes? So
1: this year we have three kindergartens, two kindergartens, and one first grade class. So in our first grade class, we have a teacher and assistant teacher um, the whole day.
0: Wow. I'm pretty stunned. I did not expect your class sizes to be, go back to that word, to be that robust. You're talking about year one. That's pretty incredible. Cola Cavode. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at me completely stunned. I'm stunned right now. I I'm,
1: I'm stunned also. I we were when I was talking to the board before registration opened up, we 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 were hoping for fifty kids. I was about
0: to say, what was your yeah. what would have been your wish list? 50 so kids.
1: we were we we thought we can get fifty kids based upon um you know just talking to parents in the neighborhood. We we thought we can get fifty. We were kind of hoping for 55. sixty. <laughs> we were hoping for sixty. We thought that way twenty kids in pre-K, twenty in kindergarten, twenty, first grade. When we hit 116 kids, uh, no um, we kind of put our foot down and said we have to manage our growth appropriately. Good for you. And um, there's been a tremendous amount of support in the neighborhood. Parents were very excited. Well, part Baruch of the Hashem.
0: part of the other attraction to the school is not just the um, approach to education, which again is is different, is exciting, is 2012 as opposed to 1987, as I referred to certain you know uh, methods of education, unfortunately, in the New York tri-state area. When I hear of things that are going on in classrooms. But you also ensure a forty percent cost savings in terms of tuition to parents. That's a big deal.
1: That's that's a nice savings. Yes. Um, so as, we- a
0: pa- as a parent with six kids in yeshiva, ranging from nursery through high school, you tell me I can save forty percent. That's that that piques my interest.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> it, 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 we believe that our our design of our educational model. Um, It's very efficient in its design, and uh, much like if you ran a small business or even your household budget, the more efficiently you run it, generally the better of a job you'll do, and you'll do a more efficient job, meaning it'll be more cost-effective. So we believe the efficiencies within the design are very cost-effective.
0: Including, as as far as I understand from the literature, that teachers take on certain administrative responsibilities in order to cut down on what would be administrative overhead.
1: Well, it's really right so am i wrong uh, not not entirely just wanted to (laughs) (laughs) wanted to phrase it i'm not entirely Uh, wrong okay go more um uh, basically again there are efficiencies in our design okay there is our model is not this is
0: not a criticism don't get me wrong no no i i i I totally i totally get it all right
1: um our our model is um it's not it's not a cost savings model there's no uh cutting any corners in order to save money it's a regular uh, school with administrators and teachers, art, music, gym, and all the amenities you would find in, in a different school. We believe that um, the model is just extremely efficient. And so um, we believe it's the efficiencies that lead to quality. You're absolutely correct. Um, now, it's just a little bit sometimes um, one theory is, well, if you take if you have less administrators, you'll have less salaries, and you can pay a teacher um, a little bit more money and give them an administrative salaries. The problem with that sometimes is if you – that can take the teacher out of the classroom because mm-hmm. there are administrative responsibilities right. in terms of discipline, talking right. to parents. We don't have any of that. In other words, the administrative responsibilities that we give to teachers are in the classroom responsibilities. For example, we have what we call a master teacher who helps design the curriculum and oversee the curriculum and its implementation okay. among the other teachers. Um, Obviously, as we as we grow and we hire new teachers, they're going to be, need to be trained in our model, and that's what our master teacher will do. So our master teacher has administrative responsibilities in terms of overseeing the curriculum and uh, managing the curriculum, making sure it spirals through the grades, mm-hmm. making sure the kids are Um, are being assessed properly and and that the personalized curriculum is being implemented appropriately. So those administrative responsibilities that don't necessarily take the teacher out of the classroom, that will have uh, what we call a master teacher. um, And those are the responsibilities we give the teachers. But in no way are they responsibilities that in a traditional way would you know, are outside the classroom Got kind it. of things that an administrator needs to deal with.
0: So they're not not—they're not stuffing envelopes in the main office <laughs> when the calendar needs to go home <laughs> in August. Right, exactly. <laughs> Let's clear that up. Right. Do your teachers have a different kind of training than a standard classroom teacher?
1: Um, I should say
0: traditional classroom teacher.
1: We had significant, significant training pre-day one in order to get the teachers ready. Um, so when we were looking for teachers, we had her we I I had to find teachers who were really on board with our philosophy, our culture, our mission, and were really excited and enthusiastic about being trained in this kind of model and Mm. what it, you know, could potentially do.
0: Right, because I'm sure that there were a lot of skeptics and there are a lot of dissenters in the ranks and you probably interviewed one person and you're like and on paper it sounded great and then all of a sudden they walked in and like um, um, and right, you realize this was not a shidduch.
1: So we actually had over 120 resumes for six teaching spots, um, and when I saw all the influx of resumes, I realized this is going to be very difficult to meet every single person. Right. So what we did was we had a I had a go-to meeting, and um, I actually gave an overview of our model to uh, about 20 teachers at a, potential candidates at a time, and I explained to them because don't forget, not only is there a lot of training pre-day one, but on a regular basis once. We're, we're assessing the kids and their skill sets, and then you have to differentiate the learning. You have to create lesson plans appropriately for all the right. kids. That is a lot of work. It's a
0: tremendous amount of work. Um,
1: and so we we needed teachers who were really on board with the amount of work it takes, and not only we're we on board, but we're really excited about the opportunity to teach in such a model and the opportunity to really meaningfully not only I mean the, the way our our classroom set up again we get to spend meaningful significant time with each student. And you get to really work on the kids with their skill sets. So a teacher who recognizes the value of that, those are the kind, appreciates the value of that. That's what we were looking for.
0: Pretty incredible. You're listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Stream. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, joined by Rabbi Natanel Grala. How many times am I going to do that? Rabbi Natanel Gralla, who's the head of school at Yeshivat HaTid in Teaneck, New Jersey, with what is a fascinating approach to education and actually incredibly exciting. But with every new school year every head of school, every principal is nervous about day one. I have to imagine your nervousness was a little different kind of a nervousness on day one. What were you expecting to possibly go wrong? And what went perfectly right?
2: Wow. (laughs) (laughs) One minute, you want a drink? (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah, So in general, I've I've noticed from uh, my life and experiences that Whenever I get nervous, the best thing you can do is to prepare. And the more prepared you are, the better you'll be. When um, I get
0: nervous, I laugh hysterically. Okay. <laughs> that is my default. Right.
1: right. Um, so we were very, very, very well prepared. Um, on a side note, mm-hmm. little plug. Go. I happen to have been the head counselor of a brand new camp oh. the summer before. Uh, it's called Camp Kaylee. It's a very unique uh, oh, camp. It's 50 uh, very nice.
0: You also, I, you're not at DRS anymore, are you?
1: No. Right. Uh, I, <laughs> that was gonna... uh, my past nine years.
0: Right. Just kidding um, that you but were But I will always be a wildcat
1: at heart. I, I love that place. I have nothing but great things. <laughs> the Manajal is my, uh, my idol, Rabbi Yisrael Kamenetsky. Um, I love that place. So um, he let
0: go of you because he knew you were moving on to this and this was a good thing.
1: Um, when I got the job offer, the first person I called was my wife. The second person I called was Robert Kamenetsky. Nice. Um, who guided me through the whole process. He's, he's amazing. That's Very, great. very special. That's great. Um, anyway, so, back to that. So when I started Camp Kaley, really Camp Kelly really gave me a tremendous chizuk because it's a unique camp. Uh, 50% of the kids are regular, typical kids, and 50% are what we call developmentally delayed into fully integrated environment. And I remember when we first started it, and I spoke to a lot of my, I'm a huge camp guy, um, mm. I spoke to a lot of my friends who are huge camp guys, and most people had a lot of doubts about whether or not you know, something like that could really work. And I was so nervous. I remember driving up to camp and I looked at my wife and I'm like, you know, I think this might work. (laughs) Uh, But we really had no idea. And we didn't know how to plan for it. And it was, uh, we tried our best and it was an unbelievable success. And We've been growing tremendously. So I think that experience last summer of starting something new and innovative and having doubters, but, you know, sticking with it, just really working hard really uh, gave me a tremendous amount of chizek. And, um, and allowed me to all those nervousness of day 1 so um I was very nervous in July before we opened up but by August already my nervousness really really changed to excitement I was so excited I was I was really excited it was just great
0: That's great so what happened on day 1 because I still want to know what right. went right and what went so wrong I'm it, not letting you go I'll right know. okay fine so I was
1: <laughs> um uh thank God the weather was beautiful Right and um you know I Every admin- – I have friends of mine who are administrators, and I I really, you know, sort out their guidance and help. And they – you know, you-, you have to improvise. You have to – you know, the audibles have to be ready to be called. And uh, so
0: – I'm all about football references. Okay. Go on.
1: Oh, okay, fine. So, uh, you know, I-, I was ready for the audible. I was ready for the crisis situation that's going to – and whatever we can do. But uh, as crazy as it sounds, it was really smooth. I, I don't mean to bore you with that. But Not at was- all. But the kids came off the bus and, um, and off the carpools. We had carpool numbers, so I knew right. – You know, and I'd already met the kids and high-fiving the kids. It was just very, very exciting, and um, the teachers were pumped up, and it it was just—it was great. It was really—I just hope this high can continue.
0: That's that's fantastic. The um, you had mentioned before, by the way, that the kids were on the computer last week for only about 15 minutes.
1: Right. So it again total. Well, again, it depends. Is that because it was two and a half days of school? (laughs) That's a good point, also. (laughs) Thank you. Um, our 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 model is not necessarily about using technology just because we want to use technology. I was
0: about to say, because I think that that is a probably a huge misconception. It's a huge yes. misconception that half the day, I mean, speaking to somebody you know, off the cuff, somebody would say, oh, they spend half a day in front of a computer. Right. 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 That's not the case. No,
1: not at all. Um, again, our the use of technology in our model uh, right now is really merely for the assessment. So- Um, how often would a kid in a traditional school go on a workbook? Well, it depends on the lessons and on the day and a a number of factors. So it's the same thing in our model. The idea is to put the kids on uh, – the kids to experience the learning so that we have obviously time in a lot of group projects, and I'm a big fan of group projects. I feel that that's a a way to kids to be engaged um, and to really build and create things um, based upon what they know and to reflect what they know and really to experience the learning. Again, the more the kids experience – as opposed to just listening right. all the time, I think that's a much better way to transfer the knowledge to the students. So that's really the areas of the classroom we're trying to utilize. The computers is really to collect. Again, it can be used for some pre-teaching, and it can be used to you know, pre-teach the co- certain concept mm-hmm. that they're going to be exposed to, but really to collect the data to empower the teacher to better understand how the kids um, understand the material. When you do give a traditional assessment, uh, either a scantron sheet test or even traditional tests. Good times. Right, yeah. exactly. So there is some benefit that can be got, that could be achieved from that, but uh, <laughs> but um, listen,
0: I think that every as as a person who again, fifteen years in the classroom, and thank God had a successful experience, um, and have um, you know good anecdotes to show for it. Thank God, there is a benefit to doing absolutely everything in terms of exper- you know opening kids up to different experiences. So while while as in a language arts teacher. I did not use Scantrons for my students because, frankly, if I was asking them to just fill in A, B, C, D, or E and not making them write every single time, I thought I was you know, taking the uh, short way out, so to speak. However, they're going to sit for the SATs, and they're going to sit for this, and you can't get around for the rest of your life doing uh, sc- standardized tests or Scantrons or whatever it is. So the fact that remains is that we have to make sure that kids are thoroughly prepared from first grade till 12th grade and beyond there all, all those little building blocks are in there teaching kids how to use a scantron as boring and as annoying as they may be and how hard it is to erase the number 2 pencil and make sure that it doesn't come up on the scantron all of those things are still skill building and we have to make sure that even with a an exciting new approach to education certain basic tenets of preparation for students as they go through their educational years are still there.
1: So that's a great point. There's uh, two things I'd like to say that. Yep. Number one is, once we start the revolution, maybe things will be different.
0: Okay. You're going to uh, get rid of Scantron? Well, I'm all for that.
1: <laughs> there is one other thing. Um, there are strategies you can use um, in order to enhance the quality and the feedback you get from a Scantron treat. For example, um, w- one of the things that we're looking at is a program that when you give a Scantron exam, mm-hmm. you feed it into a camera that's on the computer. Okay. And the, uh, the computer will analyze the quality of the test and will give you feedback. for example, the, this program will let you know that ninety five percent of your students got number four wrong. Mm. so now you say, "Whoa, let me take a look at number four. Did I not teach it properly? Maybe the question wasn 't phrased so well. Maybe the, an- the ABCD answers were a little bit confusing, and it could be that the quality of the answers or the order it was in might have ruined the fidelity and the accuracy of the you know how well did the, uh, the assessment of how well the kid really understood the material. Um, sometimes you can give, um, let's say you'll give a test on three or four different topics. Uh, So if you give a test on four different topics, 25% on each topic, but just the way the questions worked out, you had 40% was on one topic, and not intentionally, but um, if you type up the test, for example, in a certain program, so it can give you feedback, well, the breakdown of your questions is not really fair. So let's say, for example, you only asked four questions out of 50 Mm -hmm. on one topic um, you'll get the feedback that you maybe highlighted one topic or another, and, and 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 the, and this uh, one particular student might have been really strong in three out of the four topics, but their their grades will be a little skewed for that. So even within Scantrons, there's you there's ways of improving the assessment and the accuracy of it in terms of understanding what exactly the kids know.
0: Wow, that is I didn't realize that there was there was a better way to use Scantrons. Right, <laughs> <laughs> who knew? <laughs> who knew? Anyway, Rabbi Gral, I want to thank you for joining me on the air, and I want to invite you to come back in six months. I want to hear what the school what you guys are up to. i want to hear what your classrooms and 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 your students are are looking like at this point. and please god your um uh, your predictions for two thousand and thirteen for you guys.
1: great, looking forward anytime.
0: and uh, people can get more information about yeshivat ha'atid by going on their website wwwshivahivat that's y e s h i v a t h e a t i d. .org. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks, Steve, very much.
0: You are listening to That's Life on the Nahum Siegel Stream. I am Miriam L. Wallach, soon to be joined by my next guest. Patricia Napier-Fitzpatrick is the founder and director of the Etiquette School of New York in Manhattan. She is the leader in protocol and etiquette training services in New York City. She has presented seminars to corporate executives, business organizations, academia, private clubs, and countless individuals of all ages. all ages. She has been featured in Business Week, Financial Times, The Wall Street Journal, New York Post, The Daily News, Time Out New York, AM New York, because oh my gosh. <laughs> She's <laughs> appeared on CNN, WNBC, ABC, CBS, X, as Hollywood, and MTV and VH1, and now on That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and I- First of all, thank you for joining me, Patricia. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And I I will be sitting up straight the entire time that we are on the air because (laughs) so is Avrami. I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) But I called you, and I'm so happy that you were able to join me um, for the show today because there was an article on the front page of the Style section last week in the New York Times entitled Teaching Respect to the Faithful, in which um, Bruce Feiler discusses this movement of how to educate children teenagers, preteens, about how to behave at bar and bat mitzvahs. And as, a, as somebody who went through the bar and bat mitzvah stage a few years ago, um, it didn't occur to me that until I had kids of my own that we would actually have to train children how to behave at these events. When, when I went, I don't remember doing anything drastically wrong or inappropriate, and I'm sure that I did because no child is perfect, but it shocks me that um, this is
2: actually a movement. Well, it's a movement because parents are seeing their children behaving improperly at these events. Um, they, they do need to be taught. And I, I suppose sometimes we think, well, all this is like, I, you know, people think, oh, etiquette manners, it's all common sense. Well, it is common sense when you know it. <laughs> you know? Uh, I mean, it really is. It's just really all about how to live together in a pleasant way and um, being respectful and considerate of other people and situations and places.
0: Is it, is it a situation right now that our society has turned away from manners that we're not paying as men- that Joan Cleaver is not walking around in her you know beautifully pressed apron anymore and that we're not raising our kids in the same homes that, let's say,
2: my parents were raised? Is it, is it a societal shift? It is a societal shift. But you know what? It's shifting back to thinking about civility manners, thus the article, thus the movement, Uh, for training children in basic manners and social skills. Uh, We've gone so far the other way. Right. You know, away from civility and respect and proper behavior um, that it's become obvious that this is not working. I just this, had. To, oh, I'm sorry. This is not a good thing. Right. <laughs> so we need to go back the other way.
0: I just had this conversation with my daughter last night. We were she's um, she's a preteen or I should say she's a young teen. I don't know what the right term is. She would correct me. Anyway, we're in my kitchen and she said something and she and I responded and she responded to me in what I like to call texting terms which is an abbreviated word for a word that could just actually be said in its entirety. And I looked at her and I said, I'm not 11 and I'm not 13. When you talk to me, you will speak in full sentences and in complete words. And she looked at me and she's like, you're right. And that, and that I appreciated. But again, there's this, I don't know if it's because we're all hurried. We all need to move. And even like my texts to somebody or, you know, a lot of, a lot of emails at the bottom say, um, uh, I apologize for the brevity. Because people know that they're just shooting off an email, they're shooting off a text, and so the hi good morning that might be associated with a formal letter mm-hmm, or it's mm-hmm, a, or the mm-hmm. or the, you know, just the greeting is gone. So we're all losing this kind of overarching element of niceties and, and
2: manners because we're all just rushed. Do you see? And that's the added element to today's society versus twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. There's this whole new social media, internet texting, cell phone, you know, society that wasn't part of our lives 20 years ago. So it's even magnified all the issues of not having those interpersonal skills, uh, not being able to look someone in the eye. Believe it or not, I spend a lot of my time in my classes teaching children and even young adults in their 20s to look someone in the eye when they're speaking to them. And, And regarding emails, you know, emails still need those salutations. You know, if you're 22 and you're looking for a job, it's not... Hey dude, you know. <laughs> here's my resume. Right. And then just Yo Exactly. <laughs> right. I got an email yesterday, hey Patricia. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> it was probably from me. <laughs> well, I'll go back and look. You know? <laughs> and then not and then not even a you know a sign off, right. not even a sincerely or a thank you. You know, and I work with students in high school because now they are texting their teachers and emailing ah. their teachers. And I say, Really, save your texts for your friends. Email your teachers, and you still have to have a proper right. greeting and a thank you and, you know, be uh, grammatical. Right, right. Oh. <laughs> you know, spell check. Pet peeve. Right, exactly, to your teachers. There, I mean, there, There's, uh, you
0: know, even, even something that I would consider even more basic is when kids get out of the car from carpool. It makes me crazy when kids, and I don't care what age they are, mm-hmm. I don't care if they're teens or they're seven, they don't turn around and say thank you. And just a quick thank you, not a, you know, I appreciate you taking time out of your day in order to bring us to gym. It's nothing like that. But I um, drove carpool yesterday. Nobody got out of the car and said thank you. When we got home, my son said to me, thanks, Ma. And I said, I appreciate that very much. I said, but when you were picked up by the other mom and she drove you to the event, did you say thank you when you got out of the car? And he looked at me and I said, you can't forget that. I said, if I'm not raising you to be a mensch, I am doing something completely, completely wrong.
2: You know, it's such a simple, simple thing. Thank you. You're welcome. Good morning. Right. Good afternoon. It's, but it means so much to people. So much to people. Look at your feelings were hurt. You know, all they had to do was say thank you. Right. And you would feel appreciated. Not that you need that to take them, but it makes you feel better. You know, it's just a basic social skill, basic good manners. Parents who have had kids go through your courses,
0: how appreciative are they afterwards of their reformed child?
2: Well, I must say to you that many of the children who come to me are already pretty good children.
1: Okay. Well, then that takes <laughs> I, off. Half I would the like
2: to say that I've taken a heathen and made you know, <laughs> him a, a, a perfect example of a child. Right. Um, but you know the thing of it is, is that the parents who are concerned about these issues are the ones who are teaching their children. You know, and they want to go to the mm. extra step and they want me to reinforce what they're saying. Uh, I mean, you know, some of them, you know, how many times can you tell your child, sit up straight, right? You know, make eye contact, um, you know, close your mouth when you're eating, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, which you do, but parents have to do that, and that's the other thing I say. They say, Well, one course do it. I said, No, one course, one class won't do it. You have to reinforce it every day, right. every day. My daughter's twenty one now. It took at least twelve years, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Do this, do that right. before it sets in.
0: What was your reaction to the article?
2: Well, I was happy to see the article because, again, it brings awareness, uh, you know, to parents to think, oh, you know, people are teaching these things. And that's good because then they'll want to make sure that their children are also, you know, behaving properly. And I do think that children, you you know, children do... Want to please adults, Mm -hmm. for the most part, certainly until they're 12. I always say, (laughs) after that, you have a few. (laughs) Right. It's all downhill from there. (laughs) But you need to get them before they're 12. (laughs) Between 12 and 18. Well, if you haven't, it hasn't sunk in it. But, but of course, that's when they're going to bar mitzvahs, when they're turning 13. Right. So so, um, you do have to start early. And is repetition, repetition? And I don't think they don't say thank you because... They aren't thankful or wouldn't do it necessarily if, you know, someone might. But it's just because they're in a hurry. Like you mm. said, they're in a hurry and they're excited. And it's not because they're bad children. Right. Uh, but maybe it just hasn't been drilled into them.
0: And then know? I guess it also makes you wonder as parents, if we are the best teachers that, we could, that can be provided for our children and we must model good behavior, what are we not doing well if this is how our kids are behaving?
2: You are the ultimate role model for your child. No pressure. The ultimate. But you are. You're, no, you're, you're right. You're the you're ultimate right. role model. And there, I, read a, I read a right. quote recently that said, um, our children, uh, we do our best to teach our children and they do what we do despite what we try to teach them. <laughs> <laughs> so I think my mother used to say that. <laughs> okay. So it's do as I do. Right. As well as what I say, we we have we are the role models, and you know, the sports figures today, look at the sports right. figures I mean terrible role models, I mean, not all of them, but some of them, you know, and our politicians mm. uh, which the last two weeks, all every every day there's an article about civility in the paper, you know about how to how to have a debate in a civil right. manner.
0: What, so I guess we can talk about the debate from the other night if we're talking about this for just a minute or so. how? Um, How do I put this without being uh, totally inappropriate? How did the behavior of the two candidates, or I should say, you know, our incumbent president and um, Mr. Romney, how, how did their behavior? And there was a lot of there was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of animosity to the extent that watching the debate with my daughter, my my teenager, she right. said to me, is this supposed to happen? She was completely turned off by their by their
2: fighting. By their fighting. I know. Anytime I watch pundits discussing politics and they start yelling at each other and talk, I just turn it off. Right. Because I can't stand it. You're not supposed to interrupt them. Right. (laughs) You're supposed to let them finish their sentence. And if you disagree with them, you're supposed to be open-minded, right, and right. I, I, I don't agree with you, but thank you. I appreciate the comment, and here's how I feel about it. You know, there's no reason to attack someone personally because they don't believe what you believe. And Candy Crowley was actually making a point of saying, you're
0: taking the time of the audience, of the voters who are here to ask you questions, and you're using your time for other things to get back to a previous point where we should be moving forward. And I I credit her in trying to keep these two men under wraps, but frankly, they... I mean they were not listening. They were bad listeners that night.
2: Yes, that's what the moderator does. <laughs> She's the moderate person trying right. to moderate the debate. Well, so um so I don't really want to comment on the <laughs> too much about. So then let's politics. get back to let's get back to the article because actually yes. my
0: daughter attends the school um the Hebrew Academy of uh-huh. the Five Towns and Rockaway where right. they do the mock bar and bat mitzvah. Uh-huh. And she has benefit both I mean all of my kids go there two of the kids have gone through that age already those Mm -hmm. grades so they have attended those mock um simchas so to speak Mm -hmm. and they have they have benefited tremendously i mean just teaching kids how to stand online at a co-check how to make sure to say thank you and the responsibility of saying thank you to the host and to hostess and Mm -hmm. to the you know the 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 bar or bat mitzvah girl how important that is how to sit during a speech without texting Mm -hmm regardless of what the other adults are doing. And right, and you know, we're again, we're all back to the role models, but as a person who's had a mm-hmm. kid go
2: through, two right. kids go right. through this, it's really quite beneficial. You know what? These are lifelong skills they're learning. Lifelong skills throughout their entire lives. They will have to be congratulating people, going to events, checking their coats, waiting online, dressing appropriately mm-hmm. hopefully. Um Using their indoor voices, as, you say, <laughs> as we say to children, right? Uh, and their phones, you know. I think eventually the phones may have to be checked at the door. I really do. Wow, things have ju- just gotten out of hand. You know, phones. I was at a, I was at a, um, a a ceremony on Sunday, memorial ceremony um, at the Riverside Chapel. Okay. Okay. In spite of the fact that there was an announcement to turn off your cell phones, well, guess what happened? Mm. A cell phone went off, and she couldn't figure out how to turn it off. What is with those people? Can you imagine? No. I can't figure it out. I just can't conceive of it. The fact that they've already been told to take out your phones, make sure they're off. And then it's ringing throughout this, you know. Even before a wedding. Even before the ceremony of a wedding. Like all of these things. The
0: fact that there is something to be told about a society where we have to be told to shut off your phones because we are either that plugged in or that clueless or that rude. I don't even know what the right qualification is or unfortunately possibly all the above.
2: Well, but I think, too, it's, it's also sometimes we forget, you know. You have right. to give people a little bit of slack, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, give them so the, I hear. Give them the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. Let's be charitable.
0: <laughs> so tell me what three major tips you would give to parents who are listening now whose children are not attending either of these schools or any of these kind of programs or who haven't yet taken your classes about what they should be telling their kids
2: before they attend a bar or bat mitzvah. Okay, well, number one, they should um, – they should dress appropriately for the event. Find out how they should dress for it. And for girls, of course, that means covering up your arms. Right. Um, not wearing a short dress. I know my daughter went to um, to several bat mitzvahs when she was a teenager. And, uh, you know, the girls, they have parties after. Mm. And even at 13, they like to wear these you know, 18-year-old-looking dresses. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> showing, They have to cover up, and you see, that's showing respect. So teach them respect, to respect the ceremony, respect the, respect the person having the ceremony. You know, the person who's going through the ceremony, who's having her bat mitzvah, it's not showing respect to her to not dress right. appropriately. Okay, so it's dressing appropriately. It's knowing how to behave. It's like you said, you know, you get there on time, mm. not late. Um, cell phones are off, uh, no texting, no talking in the ceremony. Is there a fashionably late thing? Is there something to not that? Not for that, a ceremony, not for a religious ceremony. There is no fashionably late. There is
0: just showing up when you are told to be there.
2: So imagine walking in when it's already going on. Right. Okay? It's disruptive. Everybody watches to see who's coming in. Everyone turns around and looks. That's disrupting the ceremony. So, yes, you can be, re- you can be fashionably late for a dinner party, perhaps, 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, or even the party after, but not for a ceremony. A religious ceremony means you're there on time. Uh, so that's okay. So arriving on time, behaving appropriately, showing respect by dressing appropriately. And then again, just, um, you know, greeting the, the person who's having it and giving her the congratulations. What do you say? You say muzzle top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, exactly. Muzzle top. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> and then before you leave, you say goodbye. You know, right. you say hello, you say goodbye when you leave after the evening is over. And thank you for having me. You know, these are very basic things that aren't very difficult for children to grasp, to remember. Right. What are the some of the things that you highlight in your courses? Well, um, you know, it's funny, most parents say to me, please make him make eye contact. Huh. You know, the children. Right. Be- because that's, you know, you, you greet someone, you speak up, you say your first and last name, you make eye contact, you shake their hand. Um, you know, in New York City, we shake hands, children shake hands when they're right. eight years old. You know, my daughter started shaking hands when she was. Five every day with the head of the lower school at school. Really? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wow. And, um, you know, she attended these, uh, you know, Barclay Knickerbocker, the classes where they wear the sure. little white gloves. And, <laughs> <laughs> and and they learn how to, you know, sit down and, and talk to the person sitting next to them, you know, being very civil. So knowing how to make small talk, make someone feel comfortable. Somebody just told me who
0: started teaching at a, um, at a school on the Upper East Side that he finds um, – That his students, and he's taught before in other institutions, that he finds that his students can conduct adult conversations at an age where you would not expect it because in Manhattan, Mm -hmm. there's no basement, there's no playroom (laughs) where kids can run off to, and kids Mm -hmm. are expected Mm -hmm. to stay at the table and either participate or wait respectfully while the dinner is going on, while the meal is going on, until they are told, you know, feel free to clear your plate.
2: Sometimes I see children at 10 o'clock at night when I'm ready to go to sleep, you know, at dinner, (laughs) and they're sitting there so nicely with their parents, just sitting there and just being part of it. The Upper East Side, and I think it's probably all of New York for the most part, but maybe they're even more so, children are expected to be perfect when they're three, I think. I mean, the nursery school process and then the so much is expected of them. From a very early age, but in a way, it's a good thing because it's part of who they become. You know, it's automatic to them to make eye contact, say oh, hello, Mrs. You know, if it's Patrick, it's nice to see you today. Right? I mean, you know, they 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 do that, and uh, and that's a nice thing to. Um, to show respect for another person. With um,
0: with them, uh, we're gonna move away from yes. kids for a second. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the, the If you're talking about adults, I mean, we talked about closings of of emails and texts, etc. A pet peeve of mine, and you have to tell me if I'm overreacting. Right. But a pet peeve of mine is that if I get a text or an email from a person during the day that I have not yet spoken to that day, and it doesn't start with, hi, hello, good morning, whatever it is, like if it just starts mid conversation. So, for example, I got a text from somebody last week that. I haven't spoken to the person in a couple of days. And the text comes through. Why haven't you insert, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I wrote back, good morning. Like, that's the way I start when I begin a conversation with somebody. And so, you know, a friend of mine told me, you're really overly sensitive about this. And I said, no, there's a way we do business. And there has to be a certain amount of manners in the way you do business as well. That's a basic
2: social skill, really. It's a basic social skill. So I'm not crazy. No, you're not crazy. Thank you. As I said to you, there should should be a salutation. Right. Good morning, good afternoon, hello, dear. You know, I always start out with dear so-and-so when it's a business email. and I don't know them yet. Maybe Mm -hmm. after a few, we graduate or or we go to the hellos. But not to hey. But no hays. (laughs) no hays. never hey. No, I don't know what that new hay is that are using. I'm going to be stopping doing hay. It's starting right now. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Even my daughter, when she sends me texts, they're always completely spelled out. Maybe wow. because she thinks I wouldn't know what, they, <laughs> and I probably what wouldn't. the acronym was. Exactly, exactly. So, um, So we try to be civil with each other. <laughs> what are some of your pet peeves in terms of people's manners? Oh, gee, what are my pet peeves? Well, you know, there are a few things in the city. Things like, uh, you know, people don't know uh, that there's such a thing as sidewalk etiquette. Oh. Can you imagine? They don't know which side of the sidewalk to walk on. So that's sort of one thing that bothers me. And another big thing is people don't know that you let someone out before you go in. Oh, subway etiquette—that's what I call it. So, is that a real term? There I call- is subway etiquette. Yes, I was interviewed on AM New York for subway etiquette. There you, you can go. Read my article. Yes. Subway <laughs> etiquette is a real thing. There's a real thing. And you know what? It's that a, makes me crazy. Again, it's those common sense right. rules that make sense that are, that you know show respect. And our consideration for other people. It's like don't don't get on the subway, don't get on the elevator, don't go in a store until people come out. out. Right. Okay. Until so people come out. If you're going on a subway, you know, don't don't go to the turnstile looking for your token or your card at right. the turnstile. Your token. <laughs> <laughs> They're cards. I know. know. (laughs) No, but I I like that. I like the (laughs) fact that it brings me back. How long has it been since we've
0: had those cards? Uh, You know what? I just, I heard it was like 97. Really? Yeah, it hasn't been, oh, you know, maybe it's a little bit, it's a, uh, Rama. you think I'm wrong? He doesn't know. But it hasn't been that long, but yeah. Well, I've been
2: here for 25 years, so...
0: (laughs) I was definitely a token person. How has etiquette changed in New York in the last 25 years? What is something that you know was usually was accepted or done by everyone? I, just because I think that we're moving to a moving to a a, um, a too much of a relaxed kind of society. What was something that everyone could expect 25 years ago in terms of let's say um, interpersonal skills or social relations that now 25 years later is like gone? There were no
2: cell phones then, right? Which is the other thing. People walk down the sidewalk. Three in a row across, they didn't know each other, (laughs) all texting or talking on their cell phones and, well, excuse me, please, may I get by? You know, looking down, not looking up, and, of course, using cell phones in restaurants. I was about to ask you. Why would you have dinner with someone and have your cell phone on, texting? Right. What's the point? You know, sometimes I see people sitting across from each other and they're both on their phones right. instead of talking to each other. That's my joke with my husband. I'm like, we could just text to each other right now. He actually
0: texted me once while we were sitting next to each other on the plane before the before the plane had taken off, before the door okay. had been closed. <laughs> and he texted me and I was I was in the middle of working and he's like, hello. <laughs> and I said, all right, all right, all right. I get it.
2: I've heard of people doing that at dinner parties. Oh, Can you imagine no. a husband and wife across the table? I mean, really? No,
0: that's odd. That's 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 really hard. I wonder is there ever and I'm just I'm throwing this out there. Is there ever an okay time and when we only really have a minute left because Avrami yes, 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 is my yes, taskmaster. Yes, yes. Um is there ever a, an appropriate time to take a phone call during let's say a business meeting or a business dinner?
2: Yes, there is. Okay? If it's urgent. If if you're expecting a call, I I tell when I teach my dining etiquette classes, I say if you're expecting a call, have your phone in your pocket on vibrate and warn the person you're with i may be getting a call okay my wife's getting ready to have a baby my son's in the hospital you know i'm waiting to hear whether i'm gonna win this deal i don't know (laughs) (laughs) whatever it is you know just so give them advance notice that you may be getting a call it's on vibrate, and you get up and you go take the call the phone is not on the table in your pocket that
0: makes a big difference, and the advance right. notice also makes a big
2: difference. That's right, to prepare them so, right? so they won't
0: be shot, they'll have to get up and take a call. It's just polite. They, right, exactly. It's just polite. Well, this is this was absolutely fascinating. Um, Patricia Napier Fitzpatrick at the, uh, Etiquette, the Etiquette School of New York. You can be found at www.etiquette-newyork.com
2: dash ny.com oh sorry
0: my bad you're correct and dash <laughs> dash ny.com i thank you so much for joining me this was fascinating well,
2: you're welcome i enjoyed the conversation <laughs> <laughs> good i hope you'll come back
0: okay i'd I, love to i hope that we can read articles in the times that have shown you know major trends towards uh you know improved manners and behavior
2: right that would be a good thing what are the chances <laughs> <laughs> Okay.
0: A- anyway you are listening to that's life live here from the home office of the nachem siegel network on the lower east side i am miriam l wallach Thank you for joining me today. Let's go through the lineup, um, so you know what is available for you to listen to for the for the duration, I should say, of our day. We have a full afternoon of programming for you. Right after that's life. It's something to talk about with Randy Wartelski. Randy tackles different topics every week. At 5 p.m., the OU presents the Jewish Reaction with Rabbi Yaakov Glasser and Rabbi Steve Berg. Afterwards, the Stun Show, hosted this week by Gorf. Make sure to listen in. That's at 6 p.m. You'll never guess. What he's doing this week from seven to nine, of course, is the Thursday night extravaganza after. Oh, sorry. I should say from seven to eight is the Thursday night extravaganza from eight to nine. We are introducing to you the new show that Nachman talked about this morning on Jamie in the AM called you have. The, <laughs> I'm kidding. I was waiting for like some kind of a general uh, called spin class politics with Michael Fragan. That'll be on from eight to nine, followed by book of life with Charlie Harari. And then, of course, we close out the day with an hour of Jewish soul with Charlie Bernhout. So there's plenty for you to listen to. Make sure to stay tuned in. Join Nachum tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 a.m. as he hosts JM in the AM live here on the stream at nachumsegal.com and AM.org on 91.1 FM. Don't miss Saturday Night Segal with our one and only Avrami live here at 10 p.m. on the stream. And as you know, JM Sunday with Matis Winegast This Sunday and every Sunday from 7 to 9, make sure... To tune in, this show will be rebroadcast seven, uh, Sunday at 1 p.m. on NachamSiegel.com. My thanks to Avrami, as always. My thanks to Rabbi Natan El-Grala, who's the head of school at Yeshivat Ha'atid. And again, to Patricia Napier-Fitzpatrick. You can reach her at www.etiquette-ny.com. I leave you today what, with uh, Avram Rosenblooms. turn it over, there we go, The Flood, Um, for Parsha Snowach going on this week, and a shout-out to my brother, Renone, who is celebrating his 30th anniversary of his Bar Mitzvah Parsha, Parsha Snowach. So this goes out to him. Um, And uh, that's about it for this week. Avrami's pretty impressed that I'm going to be closing on time. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys.
3: And it was that the world was all bad guys With bad things at heart and in mind Who gave no respect to their neighbor Who stole and ran with all kind It was a world where all sound of laughter Accompanied torment and pain me my hammer, tar up the cracks, it's cloudy and I no rain. There's no memory left of a garden, we're cursed by the mark of Cain. The two-legged animal, that's been called man has terrorized mountain plain and the ones here who make lore in order should be counted among the insane hand me my hammer tar up the cracks it's cloudy and i smell rain someday the hell By the silence, someday the rain's gonna come, quench your thirst for violence. The silence, someday the rain's gonna come and quench your thirst for violence. The judgments brought down. To find a new world, one that'll last. It's more than just wind. In his image, we're cast to plant and build on the land. For wheat fields and grapevines growing up world much better this time no grievance to answer no reason to cry I said pray in mind who gave no respect to their neighbor who stole and ran with all kind, was a world where all sounds of laughter accompanied torment and